Hey guys, on today's podcast, we have an NBA free agency special. Jason and I will be talking about some of the biggest moves, doing a buy and sell segment, and predicting where some of the remaining free agents might end up. Enjoy. From the campus of Utah State University, we bring you the Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. Hello, and welcome into our NBA free agency special. Today is going to be something a little bit different. Um, we're going to be kind of structured around something. We're going to try to have some fun with this. We're going to do a, a buy or sell on some of these teams that have made some of the bigger moves throughout this offseason already. So here's our fun little intro music for this segment we threw together. Like, how do you know when to buy? How do you know when to sell? When something is a good deal and when something is more in a sell price range. Like, how do you know when to buy? How do you know when to sell? I'm going to try to keep it very simple. And you brought up the Bucks. I want to start with somebody that was just on the Bucks, And I want to talk about Malcolm Brogdon. So if you're the Pacers next year, are you buying or selling the Pacers on their chance of being a top four team? Top four team, I'd buy it immediately. Um, losing Boyan Hurts, but you're getting a guy who's going to do about as much as Boyan did. He's also a probably a better defender. Um, and you got a really good backcourt with uh, Victor Oladipo. Yeah. I forgot his name for some reason. I don't know why he's a great player. He but, just seems like he's always out. Like he, yeah. This is the first big injury I think he's had in his career, but like he's definitely been under the radar for most yeah. of his career. Yeah, and well, he, just had, he had this breakout year. He just suddenly came out of nowhere as a very quality player for the Pacers. And the thing is, you almost value having a better backcourt in the modern NBA versus a, you know, a somewhat unathletic, though very useful, small forward. Right. Um, so it's, at the very least, an equal trade-off or a sidestep. Possibly better. It just kind of depends. And you also got Miles Turner, um, who's probably should be in the defensive player of the year conversation, but he's just not because there's just... Paul George, for some reason, just had the cred. Yeah. I don't think he deserved it. I think Miles Turner probably should have replaced Paul George in the top three. Um, but then I mean, you have, like, three centers. And yeah. Nobody, nobody likes that. Yeah, I know. That's not trendy on Twitter to see yeah. the centers as the defensive candidates anymore. I don't know. Blocks, though. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot better highlights. And Paul George just kind of was riding on his early season, early season success, because even late in the season – Right, but anyway, that's that's tangent. But I think the Pacers can be a top four team, maybe top three team. It's going to depend a lot on whether or not Kawhi stays in Toronto, because if he doesn't, Pacers can make the conference finals. Sure, and maybe even challenge uh, maybe the Bucks or the Seventy Sixers or whoever. Because I mean, the Pacers are a quality defensive team, and if you hold on to Oladipo for the playoffs, yeah, and you have two good scoring options. Solid rim protector and some good players around. Well, and, and not to mention uh, DeMontis Sabonis as well, to add him. And, you know, as that kind of like a stretch four, three maybe on occasion. But, like, they have another scorer in him and then somebody who plays decent defense. Like, the, uh, their starting lineup at least is going to be, you know, comparable to anything else that another team puts out in the East. Yeah. So I, I think I, I'd buy them as a top four, maybe even top three team. Again, that's pending Kawhi Leonard, which – 
Grand, by the time we publish this, he'll probably <laughs> right. he'll probably announce where he's going in the middle of this. I need to check Twitter now. Just See, sure. I don't know. I feel like Kawhi is just going to ride this out until like July 5th at, you know, 1138 or whenever it is. You know, I, I don't see him as somebody who's going to rush into any of this. Because, I mean, he basically has the whole NBA at, you know, his beck and call. Like, yeah. You know, maybe try not to search Twitter on Twitter. That's probably not a good idea, Dalton. <laughs> I my biggest fear when going on Twitter is I'm gonna go to the tweet bar, click on that, type in what I'm searching for, and then hit enter, and then like, oh shoot, I didn't mean <laughs> to search for a, you know, whoever yeah. I'm typing in. Like, but maybe maybe it's just a little alert to everybody who follows you. Like, <laughs> here's what I'm checking out. You know, story to come soon or whatever. But yeah, um, the uh, Pacers kind of got off. Where we're gonna go oh yeah that. we always get off topic that's our thing yeah that's kind of just our thing okay so uh i think i don't know i don't know what the odds are right now i would assume the odds aren't probably super high for the pacers but i would i would agree somewhere in the top four is definitely a reasonable outcome for them with as as i've heard a lot of people say as wide open as the nba is you know as a whole and the eastern conference like you're saying if Kawhi ends up going to one of the LA spots there's gonna really just be no proven favorite in the Eastern Conference moving forward but I don't know maybe somebody who could be a proven favorite or at least a potential favorite uh Philadelphia what do you think about Philadelphia if I was to tell you they're gonna win 55 games next year are you buying or selling that that's tough how many games they win this year not enough not 55, because no. I don't think they got better. They I probably got more well-rounded. I, I, I'd sell that. I don't think they can. As far as being a 50-win team, I can see it. And the thing is, they're going to be a great regular season team. They're going to have their times where, like, oh, are they going to be a you know, finals contender because they'll go on, like, a 10-2 and two stretch in January or something. Or whenever it is, depending on depending on their schedule or something. But the thing that will always haunt them is the playoffs, because there's a certain kind of player you need to have for the playoffs, and they don't have it, in my opinion. They yeah. had it last year with Jimmy Butler to a degree. They couldn't. They just couldn't make it work. They got beat by a better Raptors team. And and they were close though. That's the thing that like yeah. they were so close. But I think like you're saying, Jimmy Butler was a huge part of that, and. I mean, you you make a good point of who did they add this year or retain or whatnot that could actually fill that role now that Jimmy Butler's gone? Nobody. Yeah, like the best thing you can say is Josh Richardson, which I heard one guy saying he you know, say maybe a a younger, more healthy Jimmy Butler. Granted, they you know y'all say he's not nearly as good. He averaged like sixteen points, four assists, three rebounds with the Heat last year. But he's not Jimmy Butler, unless no. he really, you know, explodes this year. Granted, he's playing with Joel Embiid, who demands touches, literally demands touches. Um, and Al Horford, I think it'll be an interesting fit. I think I think it'll work. I don't have any problems with it. Because um, Al, Hor- Al Horford is just a great player. He, it, he he's fit a, in a lot of places. Yeah, he's at least another person that you can put in there at center if you need Joel to be off the court. He's another great passer of the ball, whether it be in the low post or at the top. Like He's at least another piece that might not be that final piece, but he's a piece that'll fit right in on that team. Yeah, and so they have all these nice pieces, and I like pretty much every piece in their starting lineup, except when it comes to the playoffs, because 
you look at those games against the Raptors and you think, all right, let's go to Joel Embiid. This is the guy who people compare to Wilt Chamberlain and, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and Hakeem and just all the great centers. You think, all right, let's go to him in the playoffs. And, like, what can they do? They go to him and then it doesn't work or something and a couple of possessions just don't work out and then suddenly they're going away from him. They're trying to find Ben Simmons or just literally anybody else. And Joel and B just can't seem to carry them, it feels like. And, and neither can Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons just disappears in the clutch in close games because there's only like two things he can do in the half court. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, Joel Embiid is great. He's a wonderful player. He gives you a lot. He's kind of developed into that star player, the guy who needs the touches. But the thing is, in today's NBA, you kind of need somebody who can create their own shot from the perimeter or at least drive into the basket. So you think if you're just going to get Joel touches inside, what what's he going to have to do? He's either going to have to create a shot for himself or he's going to have to kick it out to the perimeter. And they just lost their best perimeter shooter in yeah. J.J. Redick. Yeah, and you, look, you talk about giving it to him in the post, to Embiid in the post. That's the least efficient shot in the NBA. And you're yeah. talking about going to that as your, your main playoff scoring crutch? Right. You, you can't rely on that. And like I said, Ben Simmons can't bring it to you. Tobias, I think they're going to have to see if Tobias can do it because he's their next best option. He's their probably their best shooter in the starting lineup. It's, he didn't shoot well last year, but career-wise, he's a good shooter. That or Josh Richardson, who's like career 37%. They lost J.J. Redick. So they lost shooting, didn't gain more back, and shooting was a problem for them last year. And... You know, I was listening to the ringer this morning and they were saying like, you know, one guy was saying they'll have to find different ways to score points. But it's like, that was the problem that other teams have run into, like the right. Jazz. Like, that was their thing. They can't score enough points because in today's NBA, defense does not win championships because um, unless you can also score points, I should say. Right, exactly. You have to be able to score the points to back up the defense because like, the Warriors obviously won a lot because they had a good defense, but they also had the like the best offense. If you have all defense and no offense, you have a second-round exit if you're lucky. So, I, I, like I said, I like them as a regular season team. 50 wins. Heck, maybe even 55 if they all stay healthy and things click. But it's the playoffs. When you face a team five or six times in a row, they're going to figure out that Joel Embiid can't carry the team through his post touches. Ben Simmons can't shoot, and he's going to hang around on the opposite block when Embiid's doing his thing. And so unless Tobias Harris really busts out his perimeter skills and Josh Richardson really steps up, they'll probably lose in the conference semis or the conference finals. Which I don't think anybody expects them to take that. Like, just as much as people don't expect Ben Simmons to develop a capable three-point shot next year, I don't think anybody's realistically thinking that Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris are going to be the new go-to guys for that team. So long as Ben Simmons' three-point total matches mine, (laughs) Philadelphia's going to have a problem. That's... uh... You're 100% right. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way around it. So, okay, just to kind of close out the Sixers, I, 51 wins was last season. You retain Tobias Harris. You lose Jimmy Butler. You add Josh Richardson. Is that enough for four more wins? Yes or no? It'll depend on health. I'm going to say no. Oh, and Al Horford. I can't believe I forgot Al Yeah, Horford. and Al Horford. So they can. I just don't think they will. 
So I'll I'll, I'll go with no. I'll, I'll I'll stick with that one. I I think I'm gonna side with you on that one, and I think. <laughs> At least you can say as much dysfunction as the 76ers have. They have never experienced dysfunction like the New York Knicks currently have. <laughs> <laughs> if you like that transition. Um, I love that transition. Talking about the Knicks. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about the Knicks. I know you have some thoughts on the Knicks. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a couple minutes. Just, just give me your thoughts on what's going on in New York right now. So my thing with the Knicks is for as long as I've been a closely following NBA fan, I've been hearing how the Knicks are a free agent destination. Everybody wants to play for the Knicks. And just one of these years, they're going to get that free agent. You know, there's, there's going to be LeBron. There's going to be Carmelo, which, to, to their credit, they got Carmelo. And I think they got Amari. Yeah, they got Amari Stoudemire, too. But they didn't know he had one leg. But at the time, they it was a, it was a good pickup. Yeah. Yeah, the pickups they've gotten have been the bad ones somehow. Um, but now, recently, it was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. There was probably somebody I'm forgetting in between. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you can't forget jo- uh, Joakim Noah and Derrick Rose, which they oh, also yeah. closed on. Oh, yeah, the legendary Joakim <laughs> Noah. I actually like him. Um, but, and I know I'll rub this in your face a little bit. I already did early before we started this. Yeah. But he was you. Who who else was it? Was it Adam we were talking to as well? I or think, was it? Uh, I think it was Dayton. Dayton, yeah, it yeah. was Dayton. It was basically saying that. If it wasn't, I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, throwing, I'm the one throwing you guys <laughs> under the bus here. Um, but in fairness, well, I guess I, I was never on that board. But it was just for me, it was, I was hearing this and I was like, why? Why would you go to the Knicks? Such a dysfunctional, terrible organization that's not done diddly jack. And and everyone's saying Kyrie to the Lakers, Kyrie, or sorry, to the Knicks, and Kevin Durant to the Knicks. And I was like, I'll believe it when I see it because I've heard this song and dance before. Right. And it didn't happen. And then. Like a month before free agency, here come the Brooklyn Nets. Just as I was thinking, maybe it'll actually happen. And maybe thinking I might have to eat crow in a month or so. The Nets came in and I was like, yep, that's it. And I knew Kyrie and Kevin Durant were not going to the Knicks. And it's just like, the the thing is that, and again, I was, I'll, I'll probably bring up the ringer because again, I was listening to it this morning and they yeah. talked about all these same things, but the one guy was saying, well, they're not in a bad position because, yeah, they can, they'll be open up max spots for 2021. And some of those same guys that were on there were saying what I'm about to say. And it's like, that's what you did two years ago and two years before exactly. that and two years before that. And it's like, when are you going to realize New York's not a free agent destination anymore? At least the Knicks. Uh, yeah. Well, so Manhattan. The, <laughs> yeah. The Nets, I guess, I mean, kudos to the Nets, you know, give them a good couple of claps for being able to finally come back from what was the worst just the worst trade ever <laughs> yeah well and it's funny because i might have been listening to the same show as, as you were and they kind of made the point that now if you look at it eight years later it almost seems like the nets have won that trade when you thought it might be the worst trade in history not necessarily from that trade as, as you know as a singular thing but just where the franchise is gone i would i would 100 percent take the nets over the next five years if you're going to offer me them or the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I, and I think that's more to the fact that Boston has just absolutely blown it. Because um, the Knicks went through purgatory for five years. Um, so, you know, it, it just kind of depends. Like, Because obviously you take the Nets now, so the final result is fine. But you'd still probably rather not make that trade. It's just Boston just absolutely has blown it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, and the funny thing is, 
they've blown it partially because they signed a guy who destroyed their whole franchise, which the Knicks have now just picked up, or excuse me, the Nets have now yeah. just picked up. Which will be interesting to see, but the thing is, Kyrie was fine with LeBron. Was he, though? For the most part. I think he managed it, and I think he was okay with playing with LeBron, but um, even before LeBron got there, like during that summer where he was speculated to go back to the Cavs, Kyrie made it very obvious that he didn't want to play with LeBron. He wanted that team to be his oh, team. Really? So I, I think there's something to be said about he might have made it work for a few years, but I don't know if Kyrie is the kind of guy that's ever just going to sit in a situation and kind of just write it out no matter who else is on the team. Well, I think now that he's realized he's screwed it up twice, first with the Cavs just never getting off the ground. Is he woke now? <laughs> I think he finally got off the flat earth thing. Uh. Yeah, heavens, Yes. <laughs> Maybe the smartest thing he's ever done in his career. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. It, playing well with LeBron for at least two seasons uh, right. worked out pretty well for him, or however long he was he was with LeBron. Uh, th- I think it was three seasons, but yeah. whatever, whatever it was. But I think you know now, and we'll see. This is just going to be a theory, and you're going to hear from plenty of people that Kyrie is probably okay now, and uh, that's, that's what you might hear from Nets, the Nets fans, and media is that he's he's woke, as yeah. as, <laughs> as the young hip kids say. <laughs> um, and he'll play well with Kevin Durant. Maybe they'll Kyrie and Kevin Durant will mesh better than he did it with LeBron. Um, but that just kind of remains to be seen. But again, just going back to the Knicks, just to dance on their grave a little bit more. I will say they're not in a terrible position, but like maybe they need to rethink how they're doing this because they just keep depending on free agency to work out, and it's never worked out. Right. I mean. I'm not a Knicks historian, but I cannot think of the last major free agent they signed. Somebody should, know, somebody can tweet at me and just tell me, because I'm sure there's been one, and I'm sure there have been plenty in history. I just can't think of the last one they've done, so, at least since I've been a basketball fan. So I listened to uh, Bill Simmons' podcast this morning, and he was talking about, he, he made a list of the last 15 years of of Nick's uh, franchise history and all the free agents they signed. And he went through the list and said, you know, early 2000s, you have Eddie Curry, didn't work out. Stephon Marbury, didn't work out. Um, you had later in, in the decade, obviously, you had the Derrick Rose thing. You had Joakim Noah. You had Carmelo Anthony. You had Amari Stoudemire. And it can be said that Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire were great gets at the time, um, but they didn't get the bronze. And that's who they were saving up all their cap space for yeah. was LeBron. And so you could almost make the argument that since they made it to the championship in 1999 in a lockout season, nonetheless, they haven't hit on one single free agent that they wanted to. Yeah. They're basically batting <laughs> maybe like maybe one out of 15. What's, what's the percentage on that? They got Carmelo. That's right. pretty much the best free agent acquisition and a decent one at that. They won like a 50-win season with him. Yeah, I believe there are 54 wins. That one 2012, year, that yeah. one year the Knicks were good with with uh, Carmelo. And who else do they have? I think who else was on that team that that year they were good. Let's see, so 2012-13, they were division championships. So Carmelo Anthony, Ronnie Brewer, go Ronnie <laughs> Brewer. I remember him for for the Jazz. Solomon Jones, Raymond Felton. Oh, Raymond Felton was kind of good back then. Tyson Chandler, J.R. Smith. Okay, so I just sorted the points per game column, and uh, yeah, J.R. Smith was your second highest scorer on that team with 18.1 points per game. And that was like his one year, and I remember they were talking about, like, why are you good this year? I was like, so I'm not partying so much. 
<laughs> Apparently he went back to that and now he uh, can't he can't tell the, what quarter it is. What quarter it is, what, what the, the situation score is. is, what the down and distance <laughs> yeah. is, to use football analogy. Yeah. But um to kind of go back to the the Knicks and like their overall free agency demise over the last two decades almost. If you want to play devil's advocate and say what they've done this year when you scrap KD and you just start over from bottom and you say, okay, who are we going to get now? They haven't made good signings. That's no. for sure. <laughs> Nobody can make the argument that Bobby Portis and, I mean, Julius Randle's great, but at $63 million, probably not and worth Julius it. Julius Randle's fine, but it's when you sign him and Bobby Portis and, what, two other forwards? Yeah, and so you basically spend all your money on, uh, oh, and Reggie Bullock and Taj Gibson at 10, 10 a year. But so you could play devil's advocate and say, I believe all of them, if not most of them, Bobby Marks tweeted out earlier today, the team has an option next year where they can, you know, just cancel all those contracts, dump their cap again, try it all over again, whether they want to get Draymond or whoever it may be. Um, But you can't take that really any further and say, now they're going to be in position to sign somebody because they haven't. They yeah, just haven't. It's the same song and dance every year. It's like, yeah, obviously you say they've set themselves up for the future, but they set themselves really well up for the future this last season when right. they traded Chris Tapps, who didn't want to be there and all that. So, like, as soon as they try really hard to build to the draft <clears throat> and just maybe pick up some solid free agents, and if they do that, I think they'll have a much better chance of actually landing the quality free agents. You look at the Nets – I think one of the reasons Kyrie and Kevin Durant went there is because the Nets made the playoffs. Right. And they have really good depth around them. They have really good quality players. Who do the Knicks have? I can't name like three Knicks. I know Kevin Knox, and I guess yeah. now I know Bobby Portis and, yeah. and all those guys. Now they just barely signed, but I couldn't name two Knicks players right. before that. Well, the the problem is that over the last you know six years, especially over the Phil, uh, Phil Jackson era, they struck out on nearly everybody. I mean, Frank Nilakina, terrible pick. I guess they picked up Dennis Smith from the Mavericks, who might be okay. Yeah. But the one guy you could turn to and say they got it right with him was Kristaps Porzingis, yeah. who is no longer on the roster. <laughs> they traded him away. <laughs> there's one thing that epitomizes, I don't know, the Game of Zones from Bleacher Report, there's one where they have, it was when Kristaps was still on the Knicks, and he's sitting there in bed, and there's, uh, I forget who exactly it is, it's some guy from Knicks, I don't know exactly his name, because again, I'm not a Knicks historian, but... They're talking, and James Dolan comes in, and he's singing some song, and it's just this, all this thing about, you know, maybe I'll re-sign Jared Jack, bring Linsanity back, like, <laughs> I'll, sign, I'll, I'll sign Tyreek Evans to a max contract, and it's just, like, absolutely hilarious, because, like, yeah, that's what the Knicks would do. That is exactly what like, they we'll, do. We'll bring back the the Isaiah Thomas and the new one, too. <laughs> it's just, like... Oh my god! <laughs> or the the young one too, or the short one, or whatever it was. Well, I mean, much like we made fun of Michael Jordan for being on the golf course all year, James Dolan's been touring with his band all year long and hasn't been in office. So, I mean, that's you know probably part of the dysfunction. It's basically Jerry Jones from the NFL, except neither of them know how to ma- right. manage a team. Jerry Jones is at least halfway competent. He's just got a huge freaking ego. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess. There's really nothing you can... Yeah, there's nothing you do because they're the owner. You can't <laughs> yeah. fire the owner. Can't do anything. Oh, okay. Well, so speaking of somebody else who has a huge ego, I think this is a great segue into what the heck are the Rockets going to be next year? Probably. Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, they're trying to trade away half of everybody. Like, they're paying five guys or four or five guys, like, 
eighty million dollars, which leaves them like twenty million for literally anybody else. It doesn't, and they're stuck because their window was a year and a half ago when they lost to the Warriors in that seven, when they went oh for twenty seven for however long it was. The game that that was their <laughs> that was probably their window. The next year after that was about as close as they were going to get. After that, now it's just slowly downhill. Their window is right. just getting closer and closer because. So is their window closed? Yeah, unless they make a change, it's pretty much closed because Chris Paul either isn't going to play well enough or is not going to be healthy enough to, you know, keep them in the playoffs. Because, I mean, I think he was in the... He was a factor last year, but he, I mean, definitely wasn't somebody that you turned to and said... Yeah, so, like, know, he was is... there. Like, like if he would have been there for that Game 7, I think the Ra- the Rockets would have won. Right. And now he was there didn't play enough of a factor. He's still a quality starting point guard. But, that, but that's the thing. Years, he but... was he was moved from being one of the top 10 guys in the league, one of the best point guards in NBA history, to being a quality guy. Now he's like, you could essentially compare him to Darren Collison with a little bit more talent. Yeah, it's like it's what happens when a guy gets to his 30, age 34 season. He just kind of, it's what it is in the way. He, Chris Paul's never been healthy. Or he's not been typically healthy yeah. for his career. So obviously him... Breaking down a little earlier makes sense. Um, but that, that's kind of what I'm getting at, though. So if if you have Chris Paul, you know he's not going to stay healthy. You're paying him $40 million a year. You said if they can get somebody else to put together on this team and try it one more time, give it one more run. That was what they're supposedly trying to do with the Jimmy Butler. Now he's going to the Heat. I don't think there's any chance that Kawhi Leonard's going to go there. So who are you really getting? It's almost at the point where I would argue you just need to blow it up now. Yeah, so the only thing I can think of, and maybe you can try it. Of course, I f- forgot whether this guy is going to be playing next season. I don't think he is. Is John Wall playing next season? John Wall supposedly is supposed to be playing next season. I don't know how legitimate that is because I know I've heard a lot of reports of that's why they don't want to trade ba- Bradley Beals because they fear John Wall might take a little bit longer than expected. So... He'll he'll be back eventually, but he could be a slower process. Yeah, because that's maybe your long shot. You just want to do something. Maybe try. And it's it's honestly thinking about it right now. As I think about it more, the, the dumber it sounds. But like bringing a dynamic, younger point guard, maybe. Do you think there's any? This is like a totally throw it against the wall and see if it even sticks. But do you think there's any chance? that the Wizards would entertain trading Bradley Beal and John Wall, both those contracts, both those players, for Chris Paul, Clint Capella, and Eric Gordon. The money would work out about the same. Obviously, the Rockets would have to throw in some picks to sweeten that. But if you're the Wizards, you basically get to get rid of a terrible contract with John Wall. You get to trade Bradley Beal, who you've already been shopping around. Say you got a couple picks from the Rockets, and one of them may be from a team that's going to be in the lottery if they can find one, would you even entertain that if you're the Wizards? I don't understand the Wizards because they traded Otto Porter for practically nothing. It's very true. And now the guys they traded for have all pretty much gone. Like, if they don't bring back any of their guys, I think Bobby Portis is one of them and uh, Jabari Parker was the other. They might lose both of them. Yep. Might. We'll see. Um, and Jabari Parker may have re-signed. I haven't checked all the updates yet. But if both of them left, they'd have, like, a couple of top 30 protected picks for a quality wing, it's like, I don't know what they're doing. They probably should have traded Beal already. 
and just kind of cut their let, losses. Yeah, and cut their losses. Let Wall play out his years and and just try and tank and do what they can. So I mean, if I was Wizards, I'd, I'd think about it. <laughs> Although, are you really in a better situation if you're the Wizards? You have a still washed up or not washed up. Just you have a still way too expensive point guard. Sure, you have a better center and a shooting guard, but like, are you that much better? So the only thing that you could really say might be a benefit is that I believe Chris Paul's contract will end sooner. Um, yeah, because the thing is, you're getting worse at point guard. The, yeah, if they were theoretically, if they were both healthy, you'd probably get worse because John Wall's still in his prime. I think was like twenty nine, thirty. Yeah, he's twenty eight. Twenty eight. Oh, twenty. Next season, that 2010 draft. Um, you get worse at shooting guard with Eric Gordon. You do get better at center. Who did they have at center last year? Was it Gortat? Oh, or, gosh. Or was, Gert, or was Marcin Gortat years before? I can't remember. Or did they have Dwight Howard? That's the They, they had Dwight Howard, but he got injured. That's the thing with the Wizards. I don't even know who's on the roster anymore, honestly. Yeah, I, I, John Wall's about <laughs> the only one I knew for a while. So, technically, if you want to just look off of... Uh, who got the most minutes and is paid the most money? Uh, Jan Mahinmi is was their <laughs> starting center last year. Uh. So I mean, there's another all-star contract that you could uh, look towards, but yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't know how the Rockets are going to pull out of this. They can be competitive this year. I mean, James Harden's still James Harden. You know, he'll carry them in the regular season, and maybe or maybe not, he'll disappear in the playoffs. I don't know. I just they they don't have enough around them, and they're trying to get rid of the stuff they do have around them. Like the most qual, like Eric Gordon and Clint Capella are two of the, like they're probably the second and third best players. I mean, yeah. obviously, if kind of exclude Chris Paul from that, they're his best supporters as far as scores and you know having a really good role man and a really good rim protector. Sure. So they have four good players. Problem is they're paying them eighty million dollars. Yeah. So they, and they had to get rid of Mbamute and Trevor Ariza and. I don't know, half of everybody else that was good on that team that <laughs> wasn't named James Harden. Right. And so if they get rid of Gordon and Capella, like, even if they'd gotten Jimmy Butler, losing Gordon and Capella would have basically negated that. Right, and it's so interesting because that's a trend that you're seeing, at least for this year, you're seeing way more than you've ever seen in the past where you can look up an example of, like, the Lakers, kind of similar what the Warriors have done with their roster, getting D'Angelo Russell. Teams are putting all their money in three or four players and then leaving the cupboard absolutely bare to fill out the rest of their roster. Yeah. And so speaking of the Lakers, what do you think that that team's going to look like? Do you think that they're going to be able to find anybody to play on that team with? Because I mean, right now you have two and a half, three players on the roster. <laughs> I think it's four. They have four-fifths of a starting line. If you line. want to be optimistic, yes. <laughs> well, they have Kuzma and LeBron and AD. Oh, is there only three? Who else do they have? See, I don't... Did, did, did they run out at three? I think so, because they traded all those guys to uh, New Orleans to free up cat space. Did they draft somebody, too, or did they trade that away? So, oh, oh, excuse me. How did I disrespect? Troy Daniels is your fourth player oh, on the okay. roster. Oh, right okay, all right. They're, oh, no, they're champs now, Troy yeah. Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't know. Ask me in a week if, if Kawhi's decided, because that—that's the kicker. Isn't that it? that shifts it a little bit. Either way, that depth is a huge problem. 
because you're thinking they have reportedly $32 million left to spend if you can get Kawhi for that price, which I'm not yeah. even confident you can. But if you can, you're spending all of that. Yeah. So what are you left with? You're left with veteran minimums, which, you know, I hear talk of Rajon Rondo. Of course, I've also heard like, um, oh, what was his name? Like shooting guard out of Toronto, Danny Green. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to sign for a vet minimum. He's worth more than that right now. He's so. getting at least six or seven. Yeah. So if they don't sign Kawhi, maybe they could bring in Danny Green or maybe a couple others. But the problem is, with Kawhi taking this long, all those third, fourth tier, close to veteran minimum kind of guys, they're all signing places. Yeah, it's true. And you're just going to get more and more of that, uh, you know, like you're saying, across the week where it's just going to whittle down from maybe a list of 20 that they had in their head when free agency started to maybe five, three guys, yeah. if you're lucky. And and so you're going to have a LeBron James who can't, they're going to have to do a load management for He might play 65 games this year, assuming he doesn't get injured again, because injuries might start to tack on yeah. uh, with him at this advanced age and all the mileage he has. Anthony Davis is fine, but again, we're talking about a big man who historically has not been able to carry his team in the playoffs, even when he's had some decent-ish talent around him. Look at Drew Holiday. and uh, That that one year they had Drew Holiday and Ray John yeah. Rondo, and they were half decent. Say, you could almost make the case that it was a success when they swept the Blazers, and but, I mean, that's that's farthest they got. So. Yeah. So it's like, it's again, leaning on a big man too much because I have this whole thing about you know, not thinking big man can carry teams in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah don't get me started on that. <laughs> but but you're talking about LeBron James is certainly enough. I think he's still capable of leading a team to the finals. But if his team is him, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, which mind you, that's you'd have to play Anthony Davis at center, Kuzma at the four, and yep. LeBron at the three, or maybe Kuzma. You can interchange both yeah, of them. Yeah, they'd be but... a little bit interchangeable. But who's your backcourt? Right. You have nobody, which maybe you say, well, LeBron's the point guard. Well, you still need somebody right. to play your point guard position, and you're running out of options. Maybe they could have open, open tryouts. Maybe here's your chance. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm a point guard, guys, and I'm six foot. Yeah, you're perfect. I am at least not terribly below average NBA height. You're like a slow Chris Paul. <laughs> slow Chris <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if speed's ever been his calling card. But. I'm like a slow Joe Ingles. <laughs> An eight foot shorter, slow <laughs> Joe Ingles. Yeah, eight inches shy and a lot slower. If that just doesn't perk up the ears of every GM in the league, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. What does. I'm expecting to get my call from Rob Blank any minute now for my uh, my veteran minimum contract. Well, that's the funny thing. Speaking of Rob Polinka, is that I've heard a lot of people say having him, you know, kind of comes with some cachet. He got, you know, uh, he got. Oh my gosh, Anthony Davis to sign there. You got LeBron to go there. You know all these things, but it doesn't matter if you have cachet or not if you don't have cash, right? Yeah. Like, eventually you need money to pay players. Take off that E, and that's the more important right. thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's okay, let's move away from the Lakers because we still have at least two more teams that we need to get to. All right. A team that you can make the case didn't have somebody to carry them in the playoffs now might have found their guy, and maybe even found the last two pieces that they need to succeed. What do you think about the Utah Jazz and everyone's speculation that now they are the team to beat? They're kind of like the quiet, not-so-quiet sleeper team now in the NBA. Yeah, they're everyone's favorite sleeper team. Right, which is 
it's, it's conundrum, a, it's, but it's yeah, it's an oxymoron. It's you have those a lot. Everyone's favorite underdog. Um, and I'd buy it right now, right now, as we record this. I say they're the best team in the West. Um, Do you see any major holes in that theory moving throughout the whole season? The only thing is if they don't have health and if, like, if they have some quality pieces behind, like, bench pieces. They got Ed Davis basically filled in a lot of what Derek Fav- what they lost with Derek Favors. Right. Um, I've heard rumblings of Jamichael Green, who he would come in and start at the four. That would be, that would be, like, cherry on top of a spectacular offseason mm-hmm. and would solidify the email. It's not like Jermichael Green is this huge piece. It's just it's filling maybe one of the holes. Right. And you also move Joe Ingles to the bench, which adds even more depth. And then they also have Royce O'Neal. And, you know, I know I've kind of jumped off the Dante X and bandwagon, but I might just jump on again just because. Because, again, if he stays healthy, even if he's not a key rotation piece, he can at least be he gives you solid minutes. Yeah. Efficient, solid minutes. And when he's they, not running out of bounds. Yeah, and if they can get... <laughs> I hope nobody was doing that last year. Ricky Rubio was kind of throwing it out of bounds, but it's as close as we got. I've just always thought it was his favorite play is just to get the ball under the basket, off a rebound, push all the way up court, and then just his speed ends up taking him past the baseline and he goes yeah. straight into the stands. <laughs> Kind of, it's just he's just got one gear. Yep. It's just straightforward. Um, yeah, like if the Jazz can get some of their G League and second rounders to work, which obviously is, you know, you don't want to put your eggs in that basket, or at least too many of them. You know, if they got one of those, they got three second round picks in the fifties. If one of them turns out to be a solid rotation player, or you know, again, I mentioned Willie Reed, who was the number one draft pick in the in the G League, which I don't know if that's a positive or not. <laughs> it's almost like a backhanded compliment. Right. Um, it's like you're pretty for Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Nashville is a bad example, but you're pretty for Pawnee, Indiana, if you want yeah, to so a fictional reference. Yeah. So I think one of those guys, and if they just have that, you have a team with depth and you have a team with an awesome starting lineup in Conley and Mitchell and um, Bogdanovich and theoretically Jamichael Green. Even if they don't get it, you have Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich as a closing lineup probably. Yeah. In the Defensive Player of the Year, that is top to bottom maybe one of the best lineups in the West. Obviously not near the star power of some of these other guys. Obviously look at LeBron and AD, their star power vastly outranks Utah. But their cohesiveness. Yes. You made the point yesterday on Twitter, which I I hadn't thought of before, but as, I mean, it's a great point to make that. Just their starting lineup combined, if you were to take last year's totals, you're getting 91 points out of just the starting lineup alone. Yeah. And you can even take somebody like Joe Ingles and you know switch him out, put him on the bench, and now he comes becomes maybe the most dangerous six man in the league because yeah. I mean Lou Williams just isn't a six man. He's he's <laughs> he's, he's, he's a, a starter. starter that they put on the bench. He's a starter so we can get his five six man of the year awards. Right. But I think one of the things you mentioned Joe Ingles, I think low key that was one of the more important things Utah could have done so they can pull it off and get him to the bench. It's not like I want to bench Joe Ingles. It's I think Joe Ingles can contribute better than he did last year from the bench in a slightly decreased minutes role because I think it taxed him a lot last year. By the end of the year, he was he was feeling it. And he's at his best when he doesn't have to be relied on a ton. Right. He's there to be a weapon that the defense occasionally forgets and he makes him pay for it. And that's where he's at his best when he's like a fourth option where he can really tear India for, you know, all of, you know, 12 points a game. But it's those 12 points that kind of put you over the top and 
edge you forward where you need it. Well, you could kind of see it in years past when you had Gordon Hayward, and that was kind of when Joe Engel's emergence was. And he, I don't know if he was necessarily starting every game in that, you know, 15, 16 year or whatever you want to call it. But um, just having that ability to not be one of the prime options is when he was like top three in the league in three-point shooting because he was just always finding open shots because people weren't guarding him as much. And, you know, he had that ability to kind of just roam around, figure out where the space is because he's a great passer and he gives you everything that you need in small doses, which is why he's a great bench player, like you're saying. Yeah. And even if you bring in for the closing, like you look at the, in that closing lineup, you have four guys that can spot up shoot at 40 plus percent. And some of them who just straight up shoot 40 percent. And then you have Rudy Gobert and you have four guys who can run the pick and roll as the ball handler. Yeah. And one of the best role men in the league. And that's just terrifying. Like opposing, like for the first time, Utah's actually going to have an offense that is terrifying. Yeah. It's not star studded. But it is nonetheless terrifying. Even then, it's not as much of where to go bear those two of the best players in the league. Yeah, I mean, easily two of the best 30 players or so. Yeah, Rudy Gobert, there's an argument for him to be top 10, depending on... I don't want to make that argument. <laughs> I'll leave you to make that argument I'm on sometime, Twitter. <laughs> I'm sometimes willing to make it. I usually just don't talk about it, because <laughs> you can't make people listen. And I won't listen either, so, you know, just two brick walls talking to each other. Yeah. All right, so let's let's go on to the last one. This is, I think, probably one you want to talk about, uh, Golden State Warriors. The question is, you know, everyone's writing them off, including myself. I'll, I'll just admit that. I'm kind of writing them off. But Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell, maybe I've heard rumors they might just trade him. And then Draymond Green. You're talking about two All-Stars, at least one Hall of Famer. Draymond's probably a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he, he, he probably is. So two really good players, not a lot of depth, but like, can they carry that team into the playoffs? Top four, maybe. So I, I was having this discussion last night with somebody and just trying to kind of process it after the Russell deal went through and say, okay, so now they have Russell, they have 118 million dollars between those four players, you know, Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green, and him. And that leaves you with not much room to work. And so I was doing a little research. I read an article today in The Athletic where it kind of lined out. So what does this mean moving forward for them? What it means is that now they're going to be hard capped at 138. So you have about $20 million to play with if you take all the rest of the players off the roster. They've already gotten a couple players that they've added. Um, so like you have Shabazz Napier. Um, you have Trevion Graham and, you know, a couple other guys. But the point is they're not going to be able to round out that roster enough. And and that's kind of what I fear is that it's just going to be four guys, three of which who could play together. You're not even quite sure if all four can be on the court at the same time in an efficient way. And now you're looking at you like you bring up the option of, well, do you just turn around and trade them? Um, they have that ability, but they can't do it until the moratorium or whatever you want to call it opens in December. And so now you're kind of just looking at, did they get them just to be an asset? Did they get them just to be a trade piece? Um, because where is that natural fit? I don't, I don't see how he can just slide right in like somebody like Boyan Bogdanovich just slides right into the lineup and you know you kind of have everything you need. You're taking away some of the minutes that Clay Thompson would have played last year and adding somebody who can at least score. And that's something that you saw. I was even going to make the argument 
that the Warriors weren't going to be a playoff team with that game three lineup against the Raptors in the finals, where it's just basically Curry, Draymond, and whoever else is on the court. Because who's your scorers? I mean, Draymond, like you say, is probably a Hall of Famer, but he's not a scorer. He'll get you maybe 20 if you need him to on occasion. Yeah. But he's not going to be averaging anywhere above 15. And so I think at least you can say with D'Angelo Russell, whether they trade him or not, they got somebody who can put points on the board in an an efficient way for the most part and a consistent way. But past that, I'm curious to see what your thoughts on it. Because past that, I don't know what else they have. Unless they can get a good return for him back, whether it be in the trade window or next offseason, I just don't see how this makes them any better. So they just need to find a way to get back to kind of where they were pre-Kevin Durant, where they were a really deep team, and they were to rely, rely on that with Curry and um, Draymond and uh, how did I forget his name? Clay Thompson. 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 So here's one thing that a lot of people have kind of overlooked is that not only did you have those three guys and people wanted to say those three guys are still on the roster, why can't they be just as good? Obviously, Clay Thompson's injured. You just traded away Andre Iguodala. You don't have Harrison Barnes anymore, who at that point in his career was still at least a consistent 16-point-per-game scorer. You had guys like uh, Festus Azili. You had more of a prime Andrew Bogut could still give you good minutes. You had a well-rounded roster, and that was kind of like what they were built on, was they had these three monster stars, but they also had enough cap flexibility to you know, have pieces on that puzzle. And that's something that people forget. They were 8-9 deep in that first run against the Cavs. Absolutely going to have no chance to be at least for the next year or two so maybe what they should do is they should try trading with the rockets and get gordon oh my gosh all these other assets because he's gonna it's gonna take several years they can't do it this year don't haunt my nightmares (laughs) you don't want clint capella i might take clint capella but if you even mentioned chris paul on the warriors (laughs) roster i will just shut this thing off right now (laughs) yeah you couldn't do with chris paul but yeah um, yeah i think this year unfortunately they might do okay in the regular season again because they they have Steph Curry, who's obviously great, but he's going to get more attention because now you don't have the other Splash Brother. Right. Maybe D'Angelo will offset that a little bit. We'll see. Um, I, I I think fairly highly of D'Angelo as far as what he can eventually do. Maybe you know Steve Kerr gets his hands on D'Angelo and he can do a little bit more with him. And I think there's a world in which you can play him at the one, Curry at the two. Maybe you kind of switch off throughout See, the game. I think you can put D'Lo as probably at the two, but again, that's two ball-dominant guys, and they haven't really... Curry is definitely more of an off-ball threat than D'Angelo Russell is. Yeah. I think that's something they could work with at least for the first half of the season until Clay's even yeah, a so possibility. Yes, yeah, so you basically be playing them, and maybe Steph Curry's technically the point guard and or right. the other way around. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters more for defensive assignments. You know, the, with the stars they had before, they just meshed so well together. You know, with Clay almost not even needing to really dribble to be an impact, Kevin Durant could play off ball and he could also save them in isolation. You don't have that anymore. You have great pieces, but we don't know if they mesh yet. Right. They don't mesh nearly as well as what they had before because now they're missing Clay and so. You're replacing Clay with D'Angelo Russell, basically, for now. It's a hard task. Yeah, and D'Angelo's a completely different player. Um, and Clay is kind of that perfect, you know, secondary star, because I don't think he could carry a team, but he is 
Like, he owes his eventual Hall of Fame. Like, in his Hall of Fame speech, he better basically say, I'm here because of Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Well, and and he, for sure, but he's also there because of the role he's willing to take, right? Yeah. So you'd have to ask somebody like D'Angelo Russell to even be considered in that role because you see in, like, the little, the little snippets of clay going off for 37 and a quarter or something like that like he could potentially lead a team if he wanted to but you're right he's much better in that role oh, yeah. and he's he, perfect in that role well he'd average 25 somewhere between 20 and 25 points for a team if he was leading them no doubt he's right he's good enough but you get to the playoffs and then you know right there's 100 other stars who've been like that um so and maybe he would have made the hall of fame anyway but he wouldn't be as legendary as he is he's got a enormous legacy but that's my hot take on Clay Thompson. Is. <laughs> I think he's a little overrated, but I th- I think at least there's no arguing that he's perfect for that role, and they're yeah. definitely going to be left with a major hole not having him in the lineup for at least a couple months to start the season. Yeah. So that's our NBA treatise on free agency. Sounds a big word bonus. Yeah. Treat yourself to some <laughs> NBA free agency. It's the word from like the 1700s. Earlier. A treatise. A treatise. I thought that was a band. How are you spelling it? Like treat us. It treat it's treat I S. Mm-hmm. Treatise. Tis my treatise on the nature of man. So go ahead and tweet us if you disagree yeah, with any of our opinions. Yeah, tweet at us. We have our you should follow our uh statesman account. So it's at Statesman Sports. It's just the Statesman Sports desk, you should be able to find it. Um, or me at the Jaywalk67. And I'm at DREN underscore sports. All right. I think that about wraps it up. It does. All right. See you guys later. See ya.